right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another round or episode of the Extra Rounds Podcast. Just go with it, man. You should it go. You should natural. say, welcome to another round of the Extra Rounds Podcast. You, it's your too mi- many rounds. Your mind and body wants to do it. Let it do it. So, as you can tell, our setup looks a little bit different this week than normal. We thought we'd try something different. It's been a year of the show. We've been behind that desk for a year, so we thought we'd do something a little bit more casual. Uh, we don't have a guest until later in the show. Professional Fighting League's Carlos Silva is going to call in and talk about uh, their event in Everett, Washington this weekend. But before then, we were just going to kind of have a little fireside chat with uh, talk about UFC 214. We got a big screen up. We we're watching all the comments. Um, so if you have any questions or things you want to talk about UFC 214, let us know in the comments and we'll uh, make sure to do our best to answer them. Um, otherwise... You can just listen to the sweet, silky, smooth sound of <laughs> Elias's voice as we uh, talk UFC 214. So, three title fights right off the bat. Uh, this is arguably the most stacked card of 2017, if not one of the most stacked cards of yeah, all time. That's pretty great. Um, I think it's hard to find a card that compares. Maybe UFC 205. Um, sure. You know, UFC 200, of course, was um, incredibly incredibly stacked uh, even though we lost the john jones dc right. fight that we're now gonna get for this card <laughs> right, so right. uh first of all what's your impressions on this card where will this card be remembered in ufc history it all depends on on how the fights go right but on paper it's phenomenal on paper uh, everyone involved the fighters who accepted the fight the matchmakers the ufc did a great job of putting it together uh so yeah it, it right now on paper it's up there with with any of them ufc 100 200 205 uh, it's a great card, but there's a whole other category, a much more important category in terms of fight cards and, and, and the memories they created, right? And so that's all yet to be determined. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be compelling, and I think we're everybody's still kind of bracing for the worst with this card. Oh, I so. sure am. I, when I was getting our notes together last night, you might notice one of the categories I had at, at its own its own separate category was, do we want to prognosticate on whether or not John Jones versus Daniel Cormier 2 will even happen. Specifically, will John Jones make it to, to fight night? I know back in UFC 200, uh, we were out there in Vegas at the time, fight week, doing interviews, doing all that good stuff. It seemed like it was obviously fait accompli. It was not. John Jones was not able to make that fight. So, yeah, so we still have to brace ourselves for the possibility that John Jones won't make it i guess theoretically and this is the fifth time this oh, fight's been booked. that's crazy. ufc 178 and i think an injury to jones delayed uh, that then they fought at 182 right. then they were booked for one um cormier had to pull out once too yeah cormier pulled out i think that might have been that might have been ufc 197 when he fought uh, osp then they were scheduled at ufc 200 and then that's right this one that's so right. hopefully it happens as we saw earlier this month even we <laughs> saw a fight get pulled out hours minutes before the event started so i don't know if you ever feel out of the woodwork when it comes to comes to this so (laughs) you gotta um, keep that you gotta keep the champ or ex-champ in 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 a bubble so yeah no no (laughs) no problems for john joe i mean this is a fight that's you know been in the the back of the your mind mma fans mind for two years so um there's three title fights on the card Mm -hmm. jones cormier this light heavyweight uh title fight could realistically be an inter, uh, unifying fight because sure. Jones never lost the belt. Well, then he had the interim belt, and then he Spirit. got stripped of that one. <laughs> Spiritually so, unifying. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> maybe a lineal thing. Yeah, 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 then, exactly. Uh, it is, yeah. That's right. Uh, Damian Maya is challenging Tyron Woodley for his um, welterweight title in the co-main. Cyborg is fighting Invicta FC Bantamweight champion Tanya Evinger for the featherweight championship, which was stripped and removed from Jermaine Duronomy. So... Should that cyborg fight be the co-main? They gave it to Woodley yeah. and Maya, which follows the traditional uh, weight, weight class, yeah. structure. But should they have given it to Cyborg? Uh, you know, I don't. I, I wouldn't make any bones about doing that. Like you said, it's it's what mostly happens in terms of the the heavier weights being you know taking precedence, which you can make an argument that's bad. I mean, uh, Tyron Woodley, Damian Maya is a more. It would seem to be a more competitive, intriguing match. But for the shortness of, of, of their, their notice, right? Like Damian Maya had probably like a four or five week camp or something insane like that for this level. You know, uh, I would say that's a, it's, a, it's, a more, it's a more dramatic fight. It's a more compelling fight in that it's probably going to be more competitive. You know, the UFC, you know, finally the UFC is going to have a featherweight fight with the featherweight, the lineal on that topic, the lineal 
world featherweight champion, longtime world featherweight champion, uh, Chris Cyborg Justino. But their whole entry, like foray into the division so far, and they're very late to that division, has been really fraught. Like they had a, they had a ridiculous. Not because the women weren't amazing fighters, they are, and it ended up being a good fight, but a ridiculous in terms of it being a title fight, a ridiculous title fight between two bantamweights, Jermaine Demandame and Holly Holm. Somehow that was for the featherweight championship. It didn't involve the the most undisputed, longest reigning champion in all of MMA. Somehow they cut Cyborg out of that. So now Cyborg's fighting a very, uh, very good fighter, Antonio Evinger, who's not even a featherweight. So it's like, no, no, I'm glad it's happening. I'm glad... The champ is finally in the UFC uh, fighting uh, in a championship fight, Cyborg that is, but no, I'm fine with it just being on the card, like underneath the other two, personally. I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure the two women would, would say different. And we have a lot of new viewers who've joined in on the uh, Facebook live stream. Um, if you're Welcome. watching and you want to join the discussion about UFC 214, which we'll be doing for a while, feel free to comment below with a question or thought. We'll read it on air. We'll discuss. We'll answer. Otherwise, we'll just keep talking. Um, so out of the three title fights, yeah. which one are you looking towards? looking forward to the most is it the jones cormier or is it a matchup like tyron woodley and damian maya this yeah. powerful striker with a wrestling background people forget about versus the grappler or yeah. cyborg against former champion what what do you think yeah it's a tough one for me between jones cormier two and damian meyer woodley i would say in some ways and this is totally just parsing and splitting hairs here but in some ways in this moment uh, for whatever reason, I, I may be looking more forward to Cormier Jones too uh, than the other two, than, than Woodley and Maya. If if and and this is this is weird and it's finicky of me, and maybe I'm wrong to think this. If I feel Damian Maya Woodley, especially Damian Maya, because I have you know I would imagine he's known about this fight for less time than the champion did. I think that's a rushed in a weird way. It's a rushed. Uh, fight like it's a fight that should have happened before, but this particular camp, Damian Maya was not given very much time to prepare for. Um, you know, pro- at this point, the the new biggest fight of his life. So I'm a little, I'm a little worried if I want to use that word. That even though I don't have a real favorite in that fight, I'm real worried that Damian Maya is not going to be have been able to give himself his best chance in a short training camp for Tyron Woodley, who's much younger much stronger, much quicker uh, as the reigning champion. Um, so for that reason, I, I think maybe Jones-Cormier with all its drama, uh, and I, I think might be, I don't know, I'm just looking forward to more. I think it has a chance to be a really close fight. I, I think a lot of people forget how competitive the first fight was. Uh, Jones definitely won four rounds in that fight, so you know he clear winner, nothing disputed about it. But each, most of the rounds are very competitive. Uh, and it was like flipped on its head, too. I remember watching it. I'm like, oh, crap. I can't believe this. Daniel Cormier, the much shorter man, is winning the exchanges at, at, at length. He's winning the outside exchanges. Once they got into the clinch where we all assumed he had to get for two, two-time Olympic wrestler, John Jones controlled him there, the long, record-breaking, reach-having champion. So it's a weird fight that could go very similar to the last one, in my view. It could go completely different. It could be a slightly different. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Uh, so I, I think, I don't know, I think I'm looking to that, forward to that one the most, but it's a hard one to pick. How about you? What, are you? what are you looking forward to the most? I think it's easy to look forward to the Jones-Cormier sure. thing because, as we talked, this is the fifth time it's been booked, yeah. and there's, you know, it's arguably the most heated rivalry in the history of, of uh the ufc and what's crazy to think about is it could all end this weekend if cormier doesn't win there's probably not a third fight and and i think we're we're looking at the conclusion of this and trying to find the next storyline to follow um and i and i think there's so much so much about that fight that's compelling there's the genuine disdain um all the various press conferences and you know promotional things they've done over the years to promote this fight has made it intriguing um, and, and for me personally, I think uh, Jones' storyline for redemption and substance abuse is personally interesting mm-hmm. to me. Um, and it's been interesting to watch John Jones transition over time. You know, with the first time they were scheduled to fight, he was still trying to cling to this green, uh, clean image. Yeah. And he's just kind of abandoned that. Yeah. And he even said that on the conference call on Monday that it was freeing to mm-hmm. not have to worry about having that persona and being able to be the bad guy. I bet it is. Yeah. And you know, so I, I think there's just so much about that fight that's compelling outside of the cage, let alone inside the cage. This is a guy who's uh, undefeated with the exception of the Hamill 
Um, right. That's no contest, I think it was. Or oh, he whatever. lost. Or they gave it a loss. Disqualification. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird bad That decision. one. Yeah. Or, uh, and Daniel Cormier has only ever lost to John Jones. Like, these are two people wow. who could be remembered as the greatest. And John Jones, yeah. or Cormier has so much legacy of his legacy writing on this fight. Sure. And, you know, so outside the cage is compelling storylines. Inside the cage, it's an intriguing matchup. Wow. Um, you know, Tyron Woodley, Damian Maya, I think, isn't going to be as exciting as people want. Mm-hmm. I was talking to, um, somebody about it and they were talking about Damian Maya doing better against taller fighters mm. versus shorter fighters like Tyron Woodley mm. and they think that that coupled with his wrestling ability might give uh, Woodley the edge mm. so I think that's really intriguing as well um, we do have a couple people chiming in what you got guys we got Ty O'Keefe against a more well-known opponent Cyborg would get co-main status not against Avenger yeah, I think that's fair yeah, if it was Jermaine Durand to me, you know, yeah. who was willing to defend, though she doesn't seem ready, even though I think she got a fight booked uh, recently. Did she? I, I think Shit. so. Or, That's uh, crazy. I mean, I maybe. I have, no, I have no clue. At least you, you could make the argument she'd be she'd, warranted. I don't think the UFC would give her co-main That would have been status. a different fight to book. I mean, even though Tanya comes in as the Invicta Bantamweight champion, so you can make it this, like, champion-champion thing, sure. or two Invicta champions. But I think I think Cyborg Jermaine would have been much more of a champion versus champion. I think Megan thing. Anderson too would have been a good one. So. Yeah, Megan Anderson. The originally, would have been the, the original schedule, yeah, department, and that's yeah. what they wanted. And yeah. I think that would have been compelling. And that when she pulled out, that might have been what forced changed the lineup or the order of the lineup. Did it? Yeah, that, um, that would that could make sense. And you did mention Maya's timeline, knowing about this fight. Yeah, you know, I've heard people say that they felt that they heard, um, thought Maya only got three weeks' notice. <laughs> I think it was like a month before the fight that that's, that's insane. the bout was the, the bout was happened. announced. Uh, Woodley mm. was teasing this announcement that he knew, I think way back even the end of May, yeah. he was teasing that he knew, but he couldn't tell people. It he did a Fox well Sports Procast yeah. um, thing about it. So uh, That's believable. Whether, you know, he's known for a while at the very least, right. so who knows how long Maya's known. Right. If he found out when everybody else found out or if they told him in advance, I'm assuming he knew at least a few days in advance I'd hope of so. that announcement. <laughs> Sometimes they don't yeah. always uh, let fighters know what's happening, like right. Demetrius Johnson or Misha Tate. We also have Christian timing in a little off topic. Up, Do you Christian? think that Lesnar versus John Jones happens and who would win that fight? For yeah. those of you paying attention and uh, have no idea what that question is, um, I haven't necessarily read for the source of the quotes, but somebody asked uh, John Jones about fighting heavyweight or he was talking about fighting heavyweight on one of the many media appearances he's done this week. And he said he would be interested. He said when he was fighting, if it was a champion fight that he would wait for a champion who was kind of more in the 230, 240 mm-hmm. round weight mm-hmm. class he's area. He's got one now. Which I think is Steve Amiotich yeah. is. I think he weighed in like 240-ish mm. for t- uh, the Dallas fight card. He doesn't want to fight somebody who's 265 pounds. <laughs> and then he comes out after that and says he wants to fight or he would fight Brock Lesnar. He would right. take that fight. And, and I think a lot of people were like, well, you con- you're contradicting yourself. Um, he said when it was going for a title fight that that was his stipulation. So it wouldn't necessarily apply to Lesnar sure. because he's not a champion. And I think this would be much in the way of um, McGregor Mayweather yeah, kind yeah. of super fight that you would have <laughs> to pursue. You know, this would be a, a main event on a pay-per-view, yeah. uh, you know, unless they put it on some stacked card. Right, right, uh, right. Even if neither one of them were a champion, and I think those pay-per-view points would be enough to compel. Oh yeah, uh, I think the, that's the something that mean you know, very little. Now. Right, if that's the main yeah. event of like the pay-per-view in October, then you know people will tune in. Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah. And I think Brock responded and said, "Anytime, any place." So right. there seems to be this genuine interest. Yeah. Um, there's this, you know, the whole USADA pool thing with Brock Lesnar is obviously a hurdle. I don't think he's. It's in not a hurdle. It wasn't a hurdle well, last. It wasn't time. a hurdle the last time. You're right, and they they've changed the period from four weeks, I think, to to six. Which, or um, it was months before he four actually months, had to be four months, months yeah. to six months, right? Which would push it further down the line, but the you and let's be, uh, but he got uh, an exemption last time. Well, is what, what you're talking about? Yeah, and these these are fancy words for saying Usada works for the UFC. The Usada is not an fancy independent words regulator. Or words to dance around. <laughs> words that both. That's a, that's a, that's actually much better. Yeah, they use these words to dance around the reality, which is Usada, unlike what it says on its marketing material, is not an independent regulator. It's 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 a tester for hire. And it works for the UFC. In this case, the UFC makes the rules. They've done it before. There's no reason to believe they wouldn't do it again. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, that's a crazy fight. Um, was it Christian that asked that he said? Christian. Yeah, you know, so I, the first time I heard about it was um, Dave Meltzer, probably the best business reporter 
uh, in the history of mixed martial arts. Um, from the Wrestling Observer, from MMAfighting.com, check out his stuff. If you if you don't read Dave Meltzer, you, you got to read Dave Meltzer. Um, he's, he's great. But he was ta- and he also has been reporting on pro wrestling for decades. So when these two things intersect, he really knows what he's talking about, right? He's the guy. Every every reliable pay per view estimate for the UFCs that's ever come out is is Dave Meltzer's been the, you know, the one reporting it. So in any case, he said that they're working on that. If Dave Meltzer says it, then I'm assuming that there's a good chance that that's what they would like to do. I'll take that. For me right there, that's good enough to believe like, oh, that information's good. Things could change. Maybe it won't happen. But I be- if Dave Meltzer's saying that he, he's, he's heard that they would like, the UFC would like to make that happen and they're working with whomever they got to work with, the fighters, the WWE, to make it happen, I'm sure at the moment that he said that, that that is exactly what they were hoping to do. Uh, other than that, there's no real hurdles. I don't think Usada's a hurdle. I don't think the WWE is a hurdle. Just by empirical evidence, they've been able to work with the WWE before. They, Usada is not a real a real regulator, and the fighters want it now, right? So, so the fighters want it, yeah. which is all the encouragement the UFC needs right. to book a fight like this. You know, this isn't any other two fighters. This is the kind of fight yeah. where two fighters express interest. The UFC is like, let's make this. <laughs> yeah, happen. right, right. Um, but. The UFC also has something that the WWE wants right now mm. in Ronda Rousey. Yeah. She was at the Mae Young shit. Classic uh, supporting Shayna Baszler, former yeah. MMA fighter who's tra- making a transition into pro wrestling. Um, and there's a potential four horsewoman versus four horsewoman storyline. The Ronda Rousey four horsemen versus the WWE NXT, I think it was. Or the this was so I heard Ric Flair's daughter is a wrestler. Is she doing a four yeah. horsewoman? I don't well, follow so like, it anymore. So is I she think, doing a thing? I think the timeline is that uh, Ronda Rousey was doing her Four Horsemen thing and they didn't copyright anything mm. with it. And then the WWE was like, that's a good idea. And they had <laughs> Ric Flair's daughter, Charlotte Flair, who's yeah. a very prominent women's wrestler. Okay, good. She's that's one cool. of like the headline, you know, oh, no one shit. of the that's, big names. That's, awesome. that's uh, awesome. As are the rest of the girls who made up this Four oh. Horsewomen stable. Um, Charlotte Flair, I think it was Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, and I'm drawing a blank on the last mm. one. Uh, I don't watch that much but wrestling. They're popular. That's awesome. Right. Badass. That's and they, awesome. I think this was when they were on NXT. They've all since moved to the WWE oh, okay. roster. And when Shayna, like, so Ronda Rousey was there for Baszler's, like, thing. Uh, it was a two-day tournament kind of thing. And at, at the first day, I, I don't think anything really happened. But then the second day, there was kind of, like, this confrontation between these four horse, WWE four horse women, and then Rousey and Marina Schaefer and Jessamine uh, uh, Duke, who were sitting uh, ringside. Oh, that's fun. For that. So, like, yeah. there was this kind of, like, you know, standoff to yeah. tease a thing, you know, so that, that's something that's there. Um, yeah. And you're saying presumably to avoid any legal battle, Ronda Rousey would have to, would want to get the UFC's permission. Yeah. Like the UFC will be like, we'll give you Lesnar again, but right. we want Rousey for a WrestleMania yeah, match yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, this is all just speculation. I hyperbole. No, it makes, it makes, it would make sure it would make sense. Uh, it's strange. So strange. It's just so strange to me that, like what she would she have to get their permission to like become a carpenter as well? Like I mean, it's just well, I think it's like hilarious. This is an, we don't think of it that way, but I yeah. guess like legalese, it's a com- well. No, a I'm speaking legally. I think if they if anyone ever had the the patience or the and the bank to fight it, I think they could. I've seen UFC contracts. They're yeah. they're pretty fraught. I think it, they've never faced any real challenge, and I just it's easier not to challenge it. I guess you know. And uh, shout out Zach Freeman who's watching. Oh cool, Bellator. Fighter who uh, was going up against Aaron Pico at the yeah. New York C- New York City pay per view yeah. card that uh, he everybody was counting it out it was going to be their debut of Aaron Pico the greatest po- prospect in MMA history and he won in uh, like thirty seconds if that Can, yeah and if you if you missed that pay per view or you didn't spend the money Spike's re airing it Friday night oh, that's so cool. you can watch Zach Freeman's. Uh, Big win against Aaron Pico. It was awesome. He stunned him, got the guillotine. That was – have we talked about this this thing? Like, since he's watching, and thanks for watching. That's pretty dope. Yeah. That was such a favorable matchup for Zach Freeman. Everyone was assuming Aaron Pico, who's a phenomenal talent, a really great young kid, was going to smoke this guy just because they didn't know who Zach Freeman was, perhaps, unless they're really knowledgeable about the sport. I mean, I think Zach had, what, ten over 10 fights? Going into this against a debuting guy, it's insane. He trains with, I mean, as far as I know, uh, Freeman has trained over the years with guys like Steve Berger, Rodrigo uh, Vaghi. Like, these are real dudes with real experience. I think that was really bad matchmaking. If Bellator wanted to pump up Aaron Pico, <laughs> putting him against a guy that has 10 pro fights was was kind of crazy uh, in my view. Yeah, Freeman went out there and, and, and got his moment. I hope now he gets... 
the credit he deserves. I hope he continues to get Bellator fights because Bellator has a habit of grabbing people like that and like setting them up for something or like a regional guy if they go to that area and never get really another opportunity. Freeman needs more Bellator fights. That guy, that guy can pop. That guy has real ground skills. Well, to to go back to the booking thing you talked about, yeah. Mike Jackson, Mickey Gall for the CM Punk fight yeah. like, is a great example. They took an O and O and a one and O fighter, you know, yeah, to to go that way to fight an eventual O and O and fighter. But you know, Zach, like he has momentum. He was the walkaway star of that night. Yeah, like if you walked into that fight not knowing who Zach Freeman is, you left knowing who Zach Freeman right. was, and he didn't win in like a three-round split decision right, right, right. or a three-round decision that was 30-27. Yeah. He right. won in such impressive fashion yeah. that he left like a mental, I don't even know, impre- like yeah. an impression on everybody who watched. And I think Bellator needs to like steer into that. They need to get behind him and prop him up. And, I hope you know, so. You know, fast track him up the rankings, co-main event, main event. You know, well, Why not? Is, steer into it. Like you, you have something with Aaron Pico, but you've just been gifted – a yeah. star in Zach Freeman. And, you know, so much fallout coverage surrounded Zach Freeman. And Zach mm. Freeman, rightly so, was uh, very selective uh, about who he was going to give <laughs> um, I don't blame attention him. to based on who gave him attention before <laughs> right, the fight. You know, right. there was so, many, so much written about Aaron Pico. And yeah. um, that was, you know, a lot of the Zach Freeman content out there. So steer yeah. into the curve. Like, give this guy a main event. Right? Go towards the people that win, right? Now, I'm not saying Aaron Pico can't be something great, but he's, I mean, he probably shouldn't be having his first fights in Bellator, even they probably shouldn't be against people with so much more experience. You got a real guy, and and Freeman, you know, and Freeman, you know, all this superficial stuff he's got too. He's got a good look. He's in great shape. He's a handsome dude, and he speaks well too. And he's on the mic, so like, well, there's no reason not to promote him. And the thing that he has that like, so Conor McGregor is like this trash talker, and sure. this is like everybody loves him now because he's a trash talker. But the foundation for what mm. Conor is now, he wasn't. Like, always a trash talker. Like, there was a little trash talking. Was it only a trash talker? Always, But he was a talker, and he was... But the thing that people really gravitated towards at the beginning was that he was funny, and he was humble. Mm -hmm. And those are things that Zach... Those are the same qualities that Zach had. That's a good point. Like, he, you know, he was up there, the post-fight presser, he was talking about um, his business and working out a deal with Viacom. You know, these are all those kind of things that, like, people latch onto and they can relate to. Like, this is a guy I can relate to, much like Connor yeah. with the welfare yeah. and all that stuff. Um, Absolutely. Great point. And he, he's letting us know in the comments, uh, Bellator wants to give him a big fight. Good. They, and they are taking care of him, and that's good to hear. Well, that, that is good to hear. Scott and t- Coker, like, that's kind of what you expect out of Scott. I, I would, I would hope so. Yeah, I've never heard bad things directly about him from fighters. Zach, thanks for letting us know that. Also, come and let us know more. We'll have you on the show if if you want to be for sure. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll bug you. We'll bug you soon, and we'll have you on. Be great to talk with you one on one. Yeah, so or two on one, two on one. Yeah, don't leave <laughs> me out of this. That sounds weird and creepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have professional fighters leagues Carlos Silva calling in to talk about the Evercard this weekend. We kind of drifted away from 214, that's but fine. Um, hopefully <laughs> you guys got a good dose of that earlier. But that's still a few minutes away, so I wanted to uh, kind of catch up on some of the comments. Angelo Reyes, former guest, Angelo, boxing up, and MMA coach extraordinaire, says that he likes the setup with the recliners. Good. And uh, that he wants to tell Jeremy that he wants these for cage siders. We would like your cage cider set too. So yeah, we could trade for a little the, bit. The table and the TV, like you know, we yeah. Maybe that. there's a marriage if we weren't so far away, we could. Uh, or we could trade locations once it gets winter here, and we could take the yeah. warmth of Vegas yeah. for a little bit. There you go. That's a it's a lovely time to be in Chicago. Um, then we have Kyle Walton who says Tony Ferguson stated yesterday. Habib turned down a fight in October for UFC 216. I don't know why I'm reading off my computer. There's a yeah. screen right there. That's yeah, so cool. With some top fighters currently without matchups in one of the UFC's most exciting divisions, what do you think is next for the lightweight division? I think we need two more interim champions. No, I don't. <laughs> God knows. Hopefully, just if Tony was ready to fight in October, hopefully he'll wait till November. That's when Khabib said he's ready. Um, I mean, honestly, I think Conor McGregor needs to needs to fight either Tony Ferguson or Khabib next in the MMA if he's wants to fight an MMA after this boxing thing he's doing. Uh, and then the other person, the person that doesn't get that, that fight against Conor McGregor, the, the true lightweight champion, should be able to wait until the winner of that fight and then fight them. 
Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson and both earn title shots in my view. What will happen? I have no freaking clue. I wish I could. I wish I could pretend I'm a smart guy. Right now, there's just there's just no telling what's going to happen with with titles, especially in the UFC. Uh, I think Dana White has expressed interest in saying for recently saying Ferguson and Khabib have to fight. You know, take that for what it's worth. Things change very often. Uh, especially if it's stuff that the UFC president says, so you never really know. But um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen next. It looks like they've been eyeing uh, the fall, and it looks like Khabib and Ferguson have just been talking about a month apart. October, November, October, November. It shouldn't be that big of a thing to surmount. Life is hard. Ferguson has to go without you know, money so, you know, until then, and so does Khabib. But if they're talking about dates and, and they're only a month apart, it shouldn't be too difficult to, to get. Now, what, what are they going to fight for? I don't know. Will it be an interim title? Will it be? I don't know what. Well, Connor said he wants to fight before the end of the year. Yeah. Which means either the November Madison Square Garden card mm. or one of the December pay per views. Mm. Um, and I think at this point, like if you're Tony Ferguson and you're going to get the title shot if he comes back, you wait. Yeah. The thing is, like, is he going to come back? He right. says he is, and if he loses, I think he does. Mm. If he wins. Yeah, there's he stands to make more money boxing. And if he comes, yeah, no, and if he absolutely right, and if he comes back, uh, when will he do it? Like you, you think, Mike, that if he loses, he'll come back? I mean, what if he loses by knockout? Is he gonna fight in the fall again? He could. He wouldn't be very smart. So yeah, it's yeah. all it's all up there. We don't really, yeah, don't really know. It'll be interesting to see if uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. in the aftermath. Now at well, the same time, like Tony, you'd say like if Connor's gonna fight in New York. And you're going to get that shot. Like, wait for that. But you yeah. don't know. You don't know. So it's like a gamble. And it's a bad gamble. Yeah. That brings us to JC's point in the comments. You can comment too, and we'll read your comment. JC he says, us? doesn't Tony take some blame for just waiting too long? Fans forget if you're inactive. And I think that's definitely part of the situation here. Mm-hmm. Like, he's at the, like, that's part of the thought process. He's at a situation where either he has to, he fights and he, cements that title shot or maybe it's for an interim title sure. whether it's against Habib or somebody else um you know or wait it's like i don't want to take a fight and then maybe pass up the opportunity like if yeah. you take a fight and you get booked in september on like the september pay-per-view or the october right. pay-per-view and then connor comes back and you know they announce that fight and then connor comes back and he's gonna fight in madison square garden and then you know they booked you against somebody like kevin lee and now habib gets the shot or right, right. whatever you know that that presents like an issue and it, oh, it yeah. you know it's it's a, and as much of it is on him for um, waiting to find out what's going to happen, he doesn't really like he he can't really not wait either. I, you know I agree I mean? with you, Mike. It, like, let's be what does he have? Eight or nine straight fights uh, fights that he's won. The fact that Tony Ferguson has not fought for the world title is zero percent his fault. He couldn't be doing more in the octagon. Uh, the last time he showed up, and his opponent couldn't make it. He even. Did a thing. He did something that I wouldn't have done, which is fight Khabib instead of waiting for the true champion. He took that risk, and that still couldn't pay off for him. He still couldn't even get his hands at Khabib because Khabib had his health issues. None of this is Tony Ferguson's fault. I mean, I wish these guys were paid enough and ladies were paid enough to, to actually wait around but uh, and, and not have it hurt them. So it hurts them much more, and certainly fans forget about you, I guess. That's a fan's fault, and, 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 and I don't think the reason he hasn't gotten the fight is because fans aren't clamoring for it i mean he's he's earned the fight and like you said there's just there's just so much uh there's just so much to risk in in, in losing it one fight loss the i'll tell you who forget about you dana white and the ufc will forget about you they won't give you a, a title shot even though you'd won eight or nine in a row prior so it's a tough i don't envy that position that he's in people liked what you said you got a lot of uh likes going across the screen it's interesting to watch us doing this in real time huh? yeah well thanks for liking you got a lot that, of likes guys. one comment uh, which won't require much discussion <laughs> before we check in with Carlos Silva and see if he's ready is uh, Josh Hill saying he, that the sets up, the setup looks really cool. Only question is, is Mike going to play a piano solo before the end of the show? <laughs> this is a piano, um, man. I, I think Josh Hill looks pretty cool. I and will, I think Mike should play a solo every episode. I don't have a roll it in. Of musical talent um, <laughs> in my body at all. You got a mixer. Should at least bring in a drum machine. We could drop I feel like beats. I could be like a, a uh, Simon Cowell. Like, I feel like I could <laughs> issue judgments on I think music. Andy... <laughs> I just don't have any ability. Like, I, I feel like Neither I can. Neither does Simon Cowell. Yeah, yeah I feel like, I, exactly. That's like the role <laughs> I can play. Like, I can pass judgment on it without, <laughs> but I don't have any musical talent. So I think we have professional fight league. 
head honcho Carlos Silva on the line. Carlos, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. From what I understand, you just landed at the airport in Everett heading to the event. I did actually just I just got to the arena. I just pulled in. So this is a, a big card. This is what the second card since the pro fighting league switch. Um, what has this whole process been like? What's the response been like for fighters for the fa- uh, from fighters for the fans watching? Oh, I think everyone's excited. I mean, Daytona. I think everyone saw the you know great show in Daytona. It was uh, interesting. You know, almost like a winter classic style event with the stadium in the stadium at Daytona, and and now we're coming back to Everett. Uh, you know, World Series of Fighting was here a little over a year ago. We had a great, exciting stadium, a great crowd. I think there's a great card. You know, Andre Harrison's uh, undefeated. He's going to try and stay undefeated. We got some veterans like Yushin Okami and Jake Shields on the card. And, yeah, there's been a lot of buzz about Justin Gaethje in the last few weeks. But Luis Firmino uh, sure fought an amazing fight at the Garden against Justin Gaethje. Uh, before getting it stopped because of his eye getting swollen shut. But uh, he's a really tough fighter, and he's on our undercard, which I just think shows how strong the whole card is overall. You mentioned strength, and I think a lot of people view MMA organizations in different leagues, but we've seen somebody like Eddie Alvarez come from Bellator and win a title, or when Strikeforce came over, all those Strikeforce fighters going on to win titles, and Justin Gaethje is kind of like the latest example. How much um, credibility do you think that gives to World Series of Fighting uh, or professional fighters league now uh that hey our guys are amongst the best in the world and look they can compete with the best in any organization oh look i think uh i think we always uh said it and we always knew it but sometimes those things have to happen uh you know really we we're really proud of justin he fought a great fight uh on a big card you know as the as the headliner which is always you know can be nerve-wracking but i think he responded well i mean it was certainly not a uh, not an easy fight. You know, both fighters really fought their hearts out. and Justin got a great win. I think it shows the kind of fighters that we've got in professional fighters league. And, uh, you know, I think that's why if you look at a guy like Andre Harrison, who's also undefeated and is just on a great role, uh, I think there's a lot more where uh, where that came from. So we're excited about it. Carlos, this is Elias. Thanks for being on, on the show. Um, I'm definitely interested. Like, you guys, I mean, I, I've, I've been watching World Series of Fighting uh, since we all started, always have had great roster of, of of elite fighters as well as some some prospects, and this this change, the branding and structure certainly uh, that you guys are are doing, or certainly has me interested. It also has me curious, and and I bet a lot of the fighters are really excited about this this million dollar uh, divisional like jackpot after a Grand Prix available. Uh, I, I'm interested in the nuts and bolts of that. How did you guys make that happen? Like, was it a new and New investment came in. Was it uh, sponsors got involved? I mean, that's it's a pretty noteworthy thing to have available uh, for fighters in, in a sport like MMA. Well, you know, we we uh, we took our time. Uh, you know, as you know, we uh, we we brought in some additional investors at the beginning of the year. Uh, they uh, we all kind of put our heads together. We have you know we've had a great crew over the last five years of World Series of Fighting. But yeah, you know, we looked at all the leagues and we looked at at really how. Uh, how MMA uh, needed to not just be a promotion, but uh, really needed to be a sport and a league. And I think that's really the most important, you know, in some ways the important word in the new rebranding is professional fighters league. And uh, we looked at a bunch of leagues. We looked at everything from the NFL to NASCAR to the PGA tour to world cup skiing, to March madness. And we tried to take the best of each and, and, and really understand what the fighters needed and what the fans wanted and came up with this format, seven weight classes. Uh, each of the fighters will fight uh, during the regular season. There'll be 12 fighters in each weight class. And based on wins and losses and points and submissions and knockouts, uh, the top eight fighters in each weight class will advance to the playoffs. Uh, everyone understands a regular season in a playoff format, certainly in America. And uh, those top fighters will get put into a bracket in the quarter, uh, a quarterfinal March Madness style bracket That'll be the first round of the playoffs, and they'll fight. Uh, it, they'll fight in the quarterfinals and the semifinals, and two will emerge in each weight class, and those two will cha- will fight for the championship. Uh, Ten million in total prize money, and a million to each of the winners of those seven weight classes from 135 to heavyweight. So it is. Uh, we think it's unprecedented. We think it's exciting. Whether you're an up and comer, a veteran, 
uh, or you've just been in the sport, uh, you know, working hard at it, uh, a lot of people have not had an opportunity to fight for a million dollars. So we think it's going to be exciting. Carl, two follow-ups on that. Thanks for, for breaking that down. I wasn't, uh, I didn't know the the details of like the, the points adding up to determine the playoff uh, entrance, which is which is, is kind of cool. And I think people will, at least in the states, that will be kind of intuitive. It's something we're used to. One is the, um, are you guys planning several seasons, so to speak, or years out in advance or with with what you're already working with, budget wise or whatever, or will a lot to ter- whether or not you do it again uh, really depend on on how things. Uh, shake out with this with this first go around, and then also I was curious. I know I remember back in the day with the International Fight League, they had a team concept. It's not at all the same, but it's a little more similar to what like the than what to it than what the UFC does. And there was it was there was an issue of fight frequency, right? Like if you're fighting through a tournament throughout a year, you've got to probably going to fight more often than than fighters or other organizations will do how are you guys going to planning for contingencies like fighters getting injured and being able, unable to go uh, in the next round or you know something like that well that's a lot of that's a lot of questions I'll, I'll repeat them again for you we'll go one at a time <laughs> <laughs> uh look uh we're not uh this isn't a, a short-term plan this is a long-term plan you know we put it together uh, look, any uh, any new league structure, there'll be adjustments, there'll be tweaks here and there, but it's definitely a long-term plan. Uh, season one will start in January. Uh, in terms of you know uh, getting the fighters their fights, we actually thought that was one of the benefits of of going to this league structure. Fighters would know how many times they'd fight a year, they'd know their minimum fights, they'd know their maximum fights, and they'd be able to gauge their year so they'd really know that coming out of a fight, uh, what kind of rest they would be able to get and how long it would take for them to get ready for their next fight, as opposed to really in the MMA world now, you sort of you sort of fight and you're really not sure when you're going to fight next. If you, if you won and you had sort of a good outing, you might fight again quickly. If you won and you didn't have a great outing, you might not. It's hard to say, and it really depends on on how the matchups come together. Mm. And so we thought that that consistency was going to be great for fighters. We also thought it would be great for them in terms of understanding, you know, sort of their walking around weight and their and their uh, and their uh, weight cutting that they need to do to make weight and to try and keep, you know, to keep some balance and consistency there. And so th- those are all things that went into uh, to putting the league structure and the regular season and the playoffs together. Uh, in terms of injuries, you you asked about injuries. Look, injuries, uh, you know, injuries happen in every sport. Injuries certainly happen in MMA. Uh, it's uh, it's the toughest sport on the planet. Uh, I think the fighters are the greatest athletes on the planet. Uh, once you really, you know, see them and get to know the sport, you, you, you know, you really understand what they're doing as athletes, you know, as endurance athletes, as as uh, as you know, multiple discipline athlete athletes, as athletes that can run and jump and uh, and spin and and have great hand eye coordination. You know, it all it all goes in there. So uh, injuries will play into it. We we have some plans. <clears throat> we do have plans around uh, how some of the points and how alternates would come into play if they're needed. And some of that, uh, you know, we sort of got that etched out on the on the whiteboard, and we've got our our plan for year one. And I think like any good league, you'll stay light on your feet and make sure that you take care of your, your fighters and your athletes and, and certainly give the fans the best show. And if we've got to make some slight adjustments along the way, we will. And part of the original plan was, I don't know if you mentioned this, I'm sorry, was a regular fighter pay on a month instead of per, like a salary instead of per fight. Was that right? It's actually, it's actually a mix. Uh, a mix. Uh, the, the fighters will still get paid during the regular season. Uh, in a traditional format in terms of show and win, but then they'll also get a monthly stipend. That's something rather unprecedented that I think is a huge help to a lot of fighters. That's going to be, yeah, they're going to appreciate that for sure. Absolutely. And uh, I I guess one other thing that I had about the tournament is, you know, after a champion's crowned going into the second season, is it like uh, in a normal, is it like in the NFL where it's like a clean slate and everybody's starting over, or is there some kind of leg up that a champion gets? No, that's that's correct. It's a clean slate. If you're the, you know, if you win the 145 2018 championship, you will forever in time be that 2018 world mm-hmm. champion. 
And when you go fight in 2019 or 2020, you'll still be referred to as the 2018 champion, but you'll have to go earn that next yearly championship, just like the Yankees or the Patriots or anyone do. So a guy like Andre Harrison, he comes out, he's undefeated. He wins the belt in impressive fashion. Uh, What was his response like when you were switching to this format? And he was, I don't want to say he lost the opportunity to defend the belt because he's, you know, he's still fighting for this number one. It's it's like it's a title defense without being labeled a title defense. Uh, what was his response like when when you were making the transition? Yeah, I think we sat down and we talked about it. He wanted to get a fight in this year, sort of to keep his rhythm and, you know, to show everyone that he's a true champion. But I think he's excited about the 2018 season. I think, uh, you know, his response was, you know, really, I'm going to be fighting for a million dollars next year. And we said, yeah, you are. And he said, OK, well, I think I can sort that out. <laughs> I think I can make that work. I can find uh, some time to make a million dollar fight work into my, my plans. That's right. That's right. I think we all would. Well, looking up at this card, uh, you know, there's a lot of notable names that I think MMA fans would would find on this card. What what fight are you looking forward to the most in particular? I, yeah, I'm looking for I, I said it a little early. I'm looking forward to seeing Luis Firmino back in the cage. I I think uh, I think his fight with Justin uh, at the end of last year was just a spectacular fight. And so I'm looking forward to seeing him. And, and, you know, by the way, you know, same for Jake Shields. I mean, Jake always brings it. He's he's really a legend. And, you know, him and John Fitch had a, a, a an excellent, very, very technical fight also in New York when we were there. And so I'm looking forward to seeing Jake, too. And and look, I mean, uh, I, I whenever you have an undefeated fighter like Andre, uh, I think it's going to be great to see if he can keep that undefeated streak going and we we hope he does and yeah we hope he brings his uh his a game as i'm sure he will carl's was it and yeah you guys either one of you can correct me if i'm wrong but didn't after his 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 last previous fight jake talked about possibly no longer fighting anymore is that correct if if what what was involved like with him coming to you and saying yeah I I want to keep going or not or do, am I remembering that whole thing incorrectly? Uh yeah I don't think that was Jake was it was it Fitch am I confusing? I thought that uh-huh. was yeah I'm I'm really confused and okay but yeah I, I could have sworn because when you said Jake Shields my ears perked up I was like oh man I thought he I thought he was um he was considering wrapping it up for a bit but no I mean if he's ready to go in any case he's a longtime veteran it's gonna be exciting to to see him fight again. I don't know if you guys happened to see his last, uh, his last submission grappling match. He went up against Dylan Dennis, one of kind of kind of McGregor's main training partners and looked super impressive there. So yeah, it'll definitely be great to see him in the cage this time around again. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely seems ready. So it should be, uh, should be a lot of fun on Saturday night here in Everett. So I saw a tweet from a, a professional, a pro fighters league fighter, who said that uh, he was starting a Twitter account because he was kind of, um, I don't want to say being forced to, but he was advised that it would be good. And I don't know if that came from you know his coach or whoever, if it came from Professional Fighters League. But I, it made me think, what what um, do you guys work maybe with the guy? Maybe it came from Twitter. May, yeah, maybe it came from Twitter. Very that's also very possible. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter going out, you know, they're struggling, so them going out and getting people to come to their platform would definitely be right. in the realm of possibilities. Right. Something new, right? right. Yeah. Uh, well, so you know, when you guys are working with these fighters, you know, how much emphasis do you put on um, on social media with them in terms of marketing? Like, hey, you know, this is good for your brand. You guys need to be involved with this. This is a good thing for you. Look, I mean, I. Per- all of us have, you know, come from a digital background at some point in our lives and, you know, professional fighters leagues about being digital first also. So look, it's a big part of, of everything we do, whether it's, you know, your guys brand with the shows that you do, uh, whether it's a professional athlete, uh, like one of our fighters, uh, or even what I do, I think it's, I think it's a big part of, uh, how you represent yourself, how you get certain messages out, and how you tell your fans what you're up to. I think fans, you know, in MMA, I've seen it over the years, and I think it just continues to grow. I think MMA is the most social sport on the planet. 100% it is the number one social sport on the planet. The amount of buzz, the amount of chatter that's on social across all the platforms is incredible. So I think if you're a fighter, you've got to be out there. you got to be uh, letting your fans know who you are telling about your training and your fitness and where you're going to be fighting and what you're excited about and, and just a little bit about yourself. I think that's part of being a professional athlete. So I think, uh, 
it is a big part of what we do, and it's a big part of what our fi- all fighters do. And Pro Fighters League's always been one to kind of push the envelope in terms of development. We've seen the the uh, the ref cam, the cage cam. I think it's been rebranded, which is one of the coolest things I uh, I think I've seen, where the referee wears a cam. If you haven't seen it, uh, and it gives you a close up of the action in the cage. Uh, is there anything in the plans to try and integrate social media more or any other new innovations that fans can expect to see at uh, the Everett card? Well, you know, I, I think uh, a little more social media is definitely on tap for this for this show. The cage cam's coming back uh, for the third time this year. We really love the cage cam. We're going to keep that going. And I think you're going to see some new stuff like a telestrator as part of the part of the uh, the crew that's taking care of the fights and looking at it. And so I think between those three and a little bit of extra social media, it should be a fun. Uh, it should be a fun show on NBC Sports Network and certainly great. You know, inside the stadium too. Yeah, no, and I just wanted to correct just for our listeners too. When I said Jake Shields earlier, and I c- confused everyone, it's because I definitely was wrong. It was John Fitch that I was thinking about after his fight in January. He had cited brain concerns and said he might step away, and he was an evaluate. And of he course, he just since. yeah, he just recently fought. Yeah, uh, then last month as well. So uh, it's a yeah. separate conversation. Same question for a separate you know conversation. But yeah, that was that was a confusion. I'd mix those two guys up. Got it. Yeah, they fought each other. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. For everybody watching, please make sure to tune in to NBC Sports Network. You can see this. There's lots of names that MMA fans will know on this card. You have undefeated Andre Harrison, who's uh, a rising star in the sport. Yushin Okami, Jake yeah. Shields, uh, Lewis Taylor. That's a Chicago guy. Yeah, for... Lewis Taylor is money. If you, if you, right. if you haven't Taylor's seen Lewis on, Taylor yeah, fight, he's money. That's right. That should be great. His last fight was a title fight yeah. for um, David Branch. against David Branch. Yeah. So That's to give right. you the idea of how kind of deep this card is there's other uf there's other ufc vets on this card we can go on and on down the list so this is definitely a a good event uh that's kind of you know it's free on tv yeah it's the best you gotta take advantage of that guys you got to yeah and then you also and then in the you know and then you also have legends like boss rootin and randy couture that are going to be there true uh, doing the show with us along with kayla harrison and then our own our own ray Seppo. so if you're if you're up in the north West, you know, come out and meet them too. They're going to be doing some autograph signings. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun at the stadium. It's a great, it's a great, uh, a great venue. That's and that's awesome. the Xfinity Arena in Everett, Washington. Carlos, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Take yeah. care of yourselves. Too. We'll do. Great yeah, stuff. That's a good card. It is a good card. Um, yeah, if you have, if, if, if folks never really got in the habit of watching World Series of Fighting, it's understandable. There's so many, so many UFC fights now, and if you're into Bellator, then you got that. But if you get a chance, if you're around, there's a card like this. It's not going to cost you a cent, and you have really, you have some really elite fighters and some really good prospects. It's worth and watching. The broadcast makes it interesting to watch. The cage yeah. cam is is super cool. Uh, for the Daytona card, there was a finish where they were like switched to it. Yeah. So like you're watching from the referee's perspective. Um, or at least they showed the replay. I don't remember which it was, but that's like a cool thing to see because you look at one angle and you don't see what the ref sees in this way. You know, think about everything that happened at UFC Oklahoma with Michael Chiesa and you know what Mario Yamasaki reputation aside saw when he stopped that, you know, you with his ref cage cam, they're calling it. It was ref cam. They changed it to cage Cage cam. cam. Um, you, you know, you can see exactly what the referee yeah. is seeing yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and That's fascinating. different things from a different angle might look a different way. Sure. So uh, they do cool things in production. I know you've been harp, You've been talking about that a lot since they were introducing some of it. You've been drawing our attention to it. And it's not nothing. It is interesting to watch. It does make yeah. it, it. It does add wrinkles to it that are worth watching. And, and the million dollar prize, I think, is going to be super intriguing for a lot of fighters out there. Yeah. And. and I don't know that – I think it's been kind of interesting to see that it hasn't had quite the impact in M- MMA free agency right. as you would think the, a million-dollar carrot would because right. there's not many fighters who fought for a million dollars. I think it's less than 15. And, yeah. You know, but, so I think for um, some, when they, they see the first season maybe after that, and they, yeah. see, they see people with the checks – It'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting. I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be something like the UFC, the Ultimate Fighter six-figure contract, which is not you're not going to get paid six figures for any one fight, but it'll like add up in total. So maybe like over the course of the whole year, I tell you, these 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 professional fighters, league fighters are going to whoever wins these million dollar jackpots are going to work for it because they're going to be fighting more often than than most fighters at that level will be, Um, and they're going to be fighting through more injuries as a result. So. Um, it is still a rare thing for even in a year 
for a professional MMA fighter to get a million dollars. So if they can do this, stick with it and then do it again next season and do it again. If they could do this every year, I think it will have an impact on free agency, right? Like I think I think it, it, guaranteed money is definitely the way to go uh, in some respects, but yeah, I think if they can keep this going for a while, uh, which is why I really was asking about the business model. In addition to just being our job, it, it wasn't just to be intrusive. It's like, hey, this is interesting. Are you guys, is it kind of like, let's let's touch and go? Or are you planning for a long time? And, you know, he, he wasn't specific, but he's saying that he seemed to be implying that they're ready to go do this for a while. And I think you're right. If 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 it happens uh, for a couple seasons in a row, people might start thinking about going there as opposed to other big organizations they're in competition with. And it could really be a good way to distinguish themselves. Well, before we wrap up, for those of you watching, I write for Fansided at Sports Illustrated. You write for Flow Combat. What do you have coming to Flow Combat that the readers can check out this week? Thanks for asking, brother. Uh, I got a couple things. One thing that was going to be fun, we got a short write-up uh, from last week's uh, Extra Rounds podcast for a conversation with Kaylin Curran. We're going to have a short post on that before the fights uh, on Saturday. So that'll be nice. If you hadn't checked that convo out, do it. If you read Flow Combat, uh, check out the summary there. But uh, also, we've got before Saturday, hopefully be coming out Friday morning, uh, a longer form exclusive feature on Ricardo Lamas, former featherweight title challenger who's fighting at UFC 214. We got to spend some time with him at the start of his training camp, and uh, it was really interesting. We talked a lot about a lot more than, than just fighting. Talked about family, talked about history, politics, uh, really interesting stuff. So we got that coming to Flow Combat before the fights. Check that out, flowcombat.com, Ricardo Lamas. I think it'll probably be one of the more more in-depth features ever written on, on, a, on a really high-level guy um, uh, who's who's been a title contender for many, many years. So hoping it's well-received. And, yeah, that's that's really the main thing got coming. Is somebody in Anaheim? What's week? that? Is somebody in Anaheim this week? Uh, probably. I know I'm Dwayne. not. Yeah, I'm not sure, actually. Well, you're forget. here. Yeah. yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. As it is. This is not a hologram. <laughs> it's not a late thing. Yeah. No, <laughs> hey, some, some, some people get so – like our, our friend Thomas Gervasi – he gets out there to fight weeks as late as he freaking can. He's done with all this other stuff. So some guys and girls still get out there. I've done the fly in Saturday morning, fly out Sunday morning. Yeah, that's right. You have. I remember talking to you on location one time. I'm like, you're, you're a madman. So, yeah, yeah. But, no, I am here. I'm staying here as well. It always seems like a good idea until you're in the, <laughs> until midst, you until you're in the midst of doing it, and then it's a horrible idea. I got to the point, Mike, where I was taking, like, an extra day after because I'm like, I don't like to be away from home. But I've been away from home for a while. I'm not. I'm gonna sleep. I haven't slept in eight days. I'm gonna sleep. So the last times, last few times, I went out to like Vegas. I was there on Sunday. I did all my work there on Sunday. A whole other day. I I went like the opposite direction. I was like, I just I need to I need to have like one day of actual sleeping. As if a deadline isn't stressful enough. Yeah. Having to meet your deadline so you can leave and get to the airport and not miss your right. red eye flight home. I got tired of that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. For fan side and me, we have my Thursday tab out column. I do my yes, five sir. questions with. We did it with Steven Wonderboy Thompson this That's week. That's awesome. So, uh, he was gracious enough to take some time out and answer five questions. No more, no less. Uh, and... That's it, pretty much. We have Jose Young's there, so he's going to be bringing lots of coverage from the ground. I'm sure Dwayne for Flow Combat's there. He seems to be at every event these days. <laughs> um, so you can follow them on uh, social media. Don't forget to follow him or me on social media, though, as well. Uh, follow Extra Rounds, at Extra Rounds on Twitter. You can subscribe on iTunes. It's on Blog Talk Radio. It's on Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play. Anywhere you can subscribe, subscribe to a podcast, you can find Extra Rounds. So please do, and please re- leave a review. Otherwise, we will just see you next week streaming live, as always, on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page, 3 Eastern, 2 Central, 12 on the West Coast. Thank you, guys. 